What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Five Star Jobbers Podcast. I'm Cody. And I'm John. And we are so excited for this episode. We have our very first guest on the show. It's a pretty big one, too. And oh, I mean that literally. Yes. This guy is massive. Massive. But we're so happy that he's here. Please welcome to the podcast the patriotic phenom, Galen Summers, a.k.a. Maverick. Welcome to the show. What's up, guys? I'm... Uh, absolutely uh, thrilled to be here today. Uh, haven't done a podcast in a while, so it's really an honor for you guys to bring me in here. Hey, um, we're glad to have you here, man. Yeah, glad man. to have you. So, for a lot of people that listen to our podcast, they don't really know much about wrestling, but we kind of want to get your take on things. But first of all, I want to just ask you, how did you get into professional wrestling? Like, what drove you to make that decision to go into that? Yeah, so I started really watching wrestling uh, probably when I was about three or four years old. I grew up in Tennessee, so I started out watching like USWA in Memphis, and it was like local on Channel 5, which was huge back in the day for the Memphis market. We had Lance Russell, Dave Brown as the announcers. A lot of people actually consider uh, Lance and Dave to be the best – on-air commentating team ever, Hmm. you know. A lot of people, as far as like national level fans, a lot of those guys don't really know who Dave and Lance are, but Dave Brown was like a local weatherman for many, many years. And then Lance was like, a lot of guys even consider Lance the best commentator of all times. He's kind of up there with Gordon Soley, uh, Jim Ross, just amazing announced team. And so I kind of got hooked on watching that. So some of my heroes in the Memphis territory were obviously Jerry the King Lawler, uh, superstar Bill Dundee, Mm. Dutch Mantel. Mm. uh, So many big-time greats came through Memphis. There for a while you had to go through Memphis Mm -hmm. to make it in wrestling. Like, that was your proving ground. I think the WWE used to recruit very heavily. Yeah, man. It was was really like the first developmental. It really was. Before Ohio Valley and all that, it was was Memphis. Because I know Mm -hmm. Jerry would work with with Vince, you know, as a commentator and stuff. But they would have a lot of talent that were going through the USWA before on their way to... uh, Yeah, yeah. we had Power Pro Wrestling that was uh, owned by Randy Hales. That was out of Memphis. And then that kind of... organically, I think, turned into Memphis Championship Wrestling, mm-hmm. which was the um, developmental brand before OVW, before Florida yep. Championship Wrestling, which was crazy because I remember they did a uh, they did an indie show at the Dyer County Fair. And that Dyer County is the county for Dyersburg, Tennessee, where I'm from. And they did an indie show there. I think I was a senior – no, 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 junior – I believe in high school. And so, huge wrestling fan at the time. So, I go to this Podunk County Fair to watch uh, developmental guys there. And some of the guys that had went from the main roster with WWE were back in developmental at that time. So, I'm at this little Podunk Fair, and the Headbangers were there. Oh, wow. Mosh and Thrasher. Yeah, they were there. Uh, the American Dragon. Oh, wow. Daniel Bryan. So you've been fresh. In front of like 30 people. Yep. And look at the massive star he is now. That's yeah. Amazing. Um, who was the other? Brian Kendrick was there that yeah. night. Ooh. They were both okay. Brian Kendrick and Danielson. They were uh, trained by Sean. By Shawn Michaels right. yep. in, in Texas at the Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy. Yeah. 
Um, who else was there? Uh, William Regal actually worked that show. Dude, oh, there wasn't. Wow. There was maybe fifty fans tops. Do people know what they were getting? They had no clue, dude. They no, had no yeah. no clue that that uh, Brian Danielson was gonna end up being Daniel Bryan in WWE, right? Right. So um, let's reel it back a little bit. But you guys originally asked like how I got into wrestling, but I I was a huge fan of the Memphis territory, obviously. Mm-hmm. The wrestling was like on such a different level back then, mm-hmm. man. They actually sold out the Mid South Coliseum every single Monday night in Memphis yeah. for about a twenty year period. Every Monday night. Right. That's because in Memphis. They never broke kayfabe. No, it was Dude, real. No. Kayfabe was protected. The heels were in one locker room. Mm-hmm. The baby faces were another. They didn't travel together. Nope. They didn't go to the same hotel together. They didn't go out to eat together. They went to the bar separate. Mm-hmm. Their whole life, dude, they the were totally separate. Right. And then, so I got into watching that, and then I slowly started watching WCW. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in high school, I wanted to watch WWE, and my mom would say, turn that crap off. Like She, <laughs> she was not a fan of Stone Cold so Steve us, Austin. Yeah, so give us a timeline here. So you're, you're in high school, Stone Cold, so this is the Attitude Era? Yeah, middle school and high school, you had DX, crotch chopping. So I went to my, the principal's office in elementary school. For, for saying suck it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all got in trouble for saying suck it, yep. and if you got... The whole Billy Gunn. We, I, I, I make the joke now. Yeah, I, exactly. I make the joke now that Billy Gunn <laughs> is responsible for multiple generations of referrals, <laughs> because you know back in the day it was two words for you suck it, and now it's scissor me. Scissor me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's with the acclaimed in AEW. Man, does that guy ever age? No, it doesn't I mean, seem like he does. Bro, fountain of youth. The guy is, is Jack now as he was in the eighties and not, late eighties or nineties. Well, that's, that's quite something coming from you. For Bro. those who can't see, because you know we don't have visual on this podcast, we I need I need you to give some details. Height, and then I want to know like what's your bench? Uh, man, you know? I'm 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 a legitimate six eight. Legitimate six eight. Um. Right now, I'm only like 230. I look big. I look probably 270. Only 230? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I look 270, but I'm only 230 because yeah, I'm so lean. When I'm, I look bigger now than I look at 270, but, you know, it's all an illusion. Um, but, yeah, like, I work out six days a week. Yeah. And um, I usually do cardio first thing in the morning at like 430, and then I lift after work about 4 in the afternoon. Super dedicated with the diet and stuff. But, yeah, like – Mom and Dad didn't know I was watching WWF. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch WCW when they came in. Right. And when they would leave, yeah. I'd go from TNT to USA. Yeah. And I I'd watch. The, bro, I would do the same thing, man. <laughs> I would do it. And then if my dad was in the room, I'd switch it back to USA and watch Raw. Yep. And I was like in love with Sable and Sonny and some oh, yeah. of the divas, right? Sonny was right. My, one of my first crushes oh, in the business. Mine too, man. But she, <laughs> but she would come out with the smoking guns. I'm like, yep. I'm in love, dude. And then I was in love with Sable, <laughs> yep. which was funny because I, I talked to Mark Merrow on the phone about two weeks ago. And I told him, I was like, dude, I used to love your ex-wife. And he just kind of <laughs> laughed, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I was a huge fan of him too with his wild man gimmick. I Wild love Johnny B. I love Johnny, Johnny Bad. B. Yeah, WCW was great, but then I loved the Wild Man gimmick. I loved him as a heel. Yeah, wow. he was such an intense heel, which was funny because he's like the over the top, cheesy baby face. Mm-hmm. But then man, he turned it up and turned into a great heel. Yeah, amazing. So yeah, so I, w- I watched a lot of WCW, WWE. Always fell back on the Memphis stuff because mm-hmm. it was so. It was a lot more realistic. You didn't. Yeah. You didn't have all the. 
flip and flop and it was just like solid punches and kicks and storylines and then which is crazy I ended up later becoming friends with Brian Christopher and it was just sad how he passed away you know it yeah, broke my it was heart really tragic you know? I, I actually attended Brian's funeral and it was it was weird because it was very somber and sad but then it was like a legends fest it was like an NWA fest dude mm-hmm. right. every big time name in the business was at his funeral mm-hmm. so it was wild you know and um uh, but what a good talent, man. It's oh, just yeah. The, his demons, man, he couldn't overcome his demons, you know? Mm-hmm. He wanted to be like his dad so much. Yeah, you see, of of the, shadow, you see a lot of those second-generation guys that they yeah. big shoes to fill, and it's hard, and, you know, it's like, you know, we could have seen Dustin go the wrong way, but luckily, you know, he was able to turn things around, and, you know, where he's at is fantastic. Bro, it's so much pressure, man. You, you take, like, the Reed flares, and, I mean, like, you know, guys who just put way too much pressure on themselves it's, right. it's sad you know because you know the parent is not putting the pressure on the kid no it's they the just kid, want to be bro. successful it's, 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 in, it's yeah. internal it's, it's in your own internal, mind bro if if your dad is michael jackson and you <laughs> aspire to be a musician how, yeah how do you ever yep how do you ever amount to that right how do you ever achieve your potential man everyone's looking at you to level up and be on your dad's level and you there's no way, dude. Mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm Mark Calloway, the Undertaker's son, and like, I got some. There's those are some big shoes to fill, man. Yeah. And if you realize you can't fill them, that's got to be a mental thing, man. I think that's probably why he's chosen not to go into the yeah. into the into the business, even though I think he's not too different than his dad as far as height. Size I think physique. He's probably. I think he's much much thinner, but right. it's it's very interesting. You know, those who choose to pursue and those who don't. And just how few actually even come close. Right. I mean, you've got maybe, you know, say, Cody right now, uh, Charlotte and her dad's footsteps. Uh, I think Cody, man, is not only going to fulfill, a lot of people may not like me saying this, but I think he's going to pass Dusty, man. I think he's going to pass Dusty. And different era, for sure. Different, yeah. different yeah. fan base, but as far as, like, mainstream, you know, I think Cody's going to, I think he's got his fingerprint on a lot of the business, just like his dad did. Yeah, I think you're totally onto something when you say that you think he might surpass Dusty. The the ethos, the 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 lore of Dusty, I'm, I'm not sure if if he'll ever pass that. Yeah, just because I think there's a mystique about the golden era wrestlers like Dusty and Rick. Right. Um, but I mean, you look at just kind of his track record, what he's done. You know what he did in his first run with WWE, and then going indie and starting a promotion. I mean, we look at you know Dusty had the book with Jim Crockett mm-hmm. for years and years and did all that. I mean, Cody's done the same thing, and then you look at some of these talents that Cody's brought in. You know, number one being the current AEW champion MJF. I mean, his fingerprints all over the business, so exactly. I definitely feel you on that one. Right. Um, yeah. We just need him to. You know he. We want him to win the big one. We do. He's going to win the big one. He will. He will eventually. It's funny, though, because fans were so aggravated that he didn't win at WrestleMania, which I thought was funny because the next night you're watching Raw and he gets destroyed by Brock. And I get online and I see all these marks, man, and they're they're eating it up. And they're like, oh, my God, Cody, Cody just got buried. I'm like, if your idea 
of working with Brock Lesnar is called getting buried. Yeah. Please bury me. We talked about because it. <laughs> please bury me all the way to yep. the bank because Cody to, is getting yeah. paid a lot of money, money to get yeah. destroyed yeah. by Brock Lesnar. So we talked about that on one yeah, of our, we our past did. podcasts, <laughs> yeah. and what I had said was not that he's getting buried because any other time. Cody versus Brock on the marquee is a sellout, and it's going to be a sellout in Puerto Rico. There's no question that's a money match. Right. They're giving us something that we could all say we want. It's just the way that they they chose to give it to us. And, you know, that goes back to what we call you know, the storytelling and ring psychology and everything like that. There's no psychology. There was no buildup. There's no explanation. Still to this this day, we're talking three weeks past, and there's still no real it's, reason why this is happening. Exactly. Well, they even they tried to explain it by saying that Brock was pissed that he was working on an open match. Nobody believes that. Yeah. Nobody no, believes no for two seconds. Nobody believes for two seconds. Second. It's still funny, though. If you Brock Lesnar I mean? wanted the main event at WrestleMania, Brock Lesnar would have had the main event at WrestleMania. Because he's I mean, Brock Lesnar. When Vince, when Vince stepped down, stepped down, I'm using air quotes, you can't see me. Yeah. Uh, when Vince stepped down and Brock almost took his bag and went home, like they had to do some serious uh, booty kissing. Yeah. To get Brock to stay, to fulfill SummerSlam, to do the rest of his... I mean, this is not a guy who, you know, let's say... So, anybody, even the casual wrestling fans, not going to believe the, oh, Brock Lesnar's mad about being the opening match at WrestleMania. Which everybody knows, who knows anything, that the two biggest matches at WrestleMania are the first match and the last nice. match. Well, yeah, because you're setting the tone for the rest yeah, of the night. Exactly. But what's, what's funny, though, is, like, even, the, even people were like, oh, my God, like... Brock has to be so mad he's working with Omos. I mean, I would be mad Seriously, about working with Omos. Seriously, bro, yeah. I would be happy. You know why? He's getting a ton of money. To do he nothing. doesn't have to have pressure that he's in the main event spot. And he knows that Omos is going to be a short match because Omos, you know, let's face it, he's a special attraction. It's not going to be a long match. So you're going to pay me the same as you would pay me for a main event spot, and I only got to work five minutes. Sign me up, please. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So... It, and Brock has even came out and said, I think he's kind of changed his tune a, a little the last couple of years, and I think he's actually having fun and enjoying it. But mm -hmm. before that, he was straight up like, I don't like the business. This is a job, and I'm doing my job as best of my ability. Mm -hmm. So he's not a mark to the business. He just wants to get paid well, yep. right. and he knows his worth. Right. But, um, yeah, so we're going in a long circle, but um, <laughs> I'm enjoying the talk with it's you guys. Right. I'm enjoying the talk I'm here. This is awesome. This this is you know, I don't think professional wrestling fans have a hard time listening to professional wrestling oh, conversations. Oh, no, we right. can listen to this so, all day. <laughs> especially from a professional wrestler. Exactly. For sure, man. Yeah. But, like, yeah, so how I actually got into the business, you know, after being, like, a massive fan was, so I was stationed in the Marine Corps in Cherry Point, North Carolina. I was, I think, 18 years old maybe 19 by this point, but um, I always wanted to get in the business, always. I was driving to work one morning, almost on base, and um, getting ready to go through the gate, and they were advertising a local indie show at the Havelock Rec Center in Havelock, North Carolina, which is the town that Cherry Point is located in. And so as soon as they got done advertising, I called the DJ, or called the radio station, I'm like, hey, does that indie show have like a school? And the DJ was like, hey, I'm actually one of the wrestlers, that, and we're getting a free radio ad by me working here. And I'm like, sweet, do you have a school? He's like, yeah, come train with us. So I ended up going and training with this local tag team called Jagger and Scab. They were just a local indie tag team in North Carolina. 
both of the guys were actually pretty solid, man. Um, they never really made it to the big leagues or anything in the business. And I think the reason being the time period that they broke in was the era where everybody needed to have this cookie cutter, like jacked physique, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And since then, the business has kind of turned to where like the physique isn't like the primary selling point, you know. They still want you to look good and marketable, but you know it's more about like in-ring ability now than just the great look. You know, take me for instance. Like I wouldn't be working indies in the '90s. I'd be a multimillionaire just off <laughs> just, just off my size, right? You know Absolutely, what I mean? yeah. Simply off the size, right? Yeah, now you, you got to bring a little bit more to the table, and I haven't had the time to just devote to training. You know, if I had that time to like where I could work out every night of the week and put in the working and, and get make massive improvements in the ring you know i'd have a a contract right now you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but you know like the business has changed and it's more about the extreme athleticism than it was in those days you take guys like uh dominic dijakovic or dijak that they're calling him now and i would say you guys are probably pretty similar yeah in build size size wise and you see the kind of match that he puts on with keith lee he's amazing you have these two you know two very gigantic Human beings that, that should not that be able to move the way they move, like cruiserweights. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you just think to yourself, when did this happen? Yeah, right. it's you unbelievable. Know? The guys are way more athletic than they ever have been. I mean, ever night been. and day, absolutely. Oh yeah, bro. Like used to, if you were two fifty, three hundred pounds, you didn't do nothing in the ring. Well, you just showed up. Look and at flex. the night. Look at Sid Vicious. He just showed up. And one, flex, one, man. one spot off a turnbuckle. Broke his leg, like because he was snapped it in half, and that's yeah. not, and it's not because he wasn't a great athlete. It's no. just he wasn't used to doing those moves. Yep. Right. These guys nowadays are in the dojo every. If they're not on the road, bro, they're at the performance center, mm-hmm. or they're in a dojo perfecting this every day. Right. You can You don't get to that elite level just working two or three shows a week and mm-hmm. not training every day. You exactly. know what I mean? So they're putting in the work. Absolutely. Right. And so. Um, yeah, so I would um, go to work as a Marine during the day, and then I would train at night. And uh, But that was only the really only time period where I was able to train, 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 train. The rest of the time, it's kind of been like OJT on the job. Like, mm-hmm. my training's been in front of a live crowd, you know. So, unfortunately, where I'm at and uh, the panhandle, like, there's no real dojos to, like, train every day, you know. So that's what I've been working on lately is getting in a, a good – like training facility to where I can really hone my craft and, and make massive improvements. You know, before we went on the air, we were talking about Moose and how athletic that guy is at his his height and stuff. And it's super impressive to see mm-hmm. some of these big guys that can move and work like they do. Um, look at Brian Cage, bro. <laughs> dude dude yeah. is jacked out of his mind. What, <laughs> probably close to 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. And moves like he's a buck eighty, you know. Exactly. Yeah. It's a I think the first time I ever saw like a big giant move, just the way they weren't. It was Scott Steiner. Oh yeah, back yeah. When, like in the Steiner, like the Doing actual the bro- like Steiner Brothers days, where you would have a guy like you would have a guy set up, and it looked like he was going to do a fallaway slam, but he did a moonsault with the fallaway slam. Uh, he was a freak athlete. It man. was absolutely insane. Yeah, he was just a freak athlete. I mean, you take a guy his size, and he was doing. Frankenstein's off the top rope and yeah. everything he did. So yeah, I would do uh, I would do like the Indies and the Carolinas, South Carolina, North Carolina, and then um, 
I kind of stopped training with them, and then I trained with uh, Allison Danger, real name Kathy Carino. Okay. She actually was just she actually just did a stint at uh, as a trainer for NXT with WWE. So I trained with her and her husband Marco for a little bit. She had met Marco in Switzerland on a uh, Switzerland tour. He's he's Swiss, and she met him over there on a tour. They got married. He moved to the states, and they kind of opened up a training facility. So for probably five six months before I got orders to Japan, I was training with them, and he was he was in a tag team in Switzerland with uh, Antonio Cesaro, mm-hmm. uh, or Antonio uh, Castanoli or Cesaro in WWE. Yeah. So he would come into our facility and train with us occasionally. Wow. Talk about a freak athlete, dude. Jeez. That dude was murdering us during training sessions. <laughs> My head was usually like in a trash can. Like just, <laughs> just go, 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 no go, stop. Go, bro, cardio un- off the chain. Wow. Freak athlete. That dude is so lean and like uh, tall that you would not, he, he shouldn't be throwing up the way he throws up. Wow. Mm-hmm. Looking at that physique. Like this guy is putting up like, Bobby Lashley weight at like a very lean physique, very impressive. I've never seen nothing like it. I mean, Cena even said like he's the strongest athlete he's ever seen. Wow. And kind of going off of uh, athleticism and getting that physique and stuff, most of the people that listen to our podcast have never had the opportunity to see or hear anything on the professional wrestling side or hear from a professional wrestler, much less. So kind of walk us through what a typical day is like for you as a professional wrestler on the independent scene, like what does a typical day consist of for you, like with working out or things like that? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a lot different than, you know, guys that are on the road with WWE. You know, they're traveling five days a week, four days a week. Right. So it's a little different, you know. I, I obviously work like a day job because in the Indies you're not making like tons mm-hmm. of money mm-hmm. until you get like a huge following or whatever. So I do work a normal day job. So a normal day for me is like I, I'm usually up at 4, 4.30. You know, I'll weigh my food out that I've already have pre-cooked. I'll weigh everything out, throw it in my bag, head to the gym. I'll do like an hour of cardio, maybe tan, whatever. And then I'll head to work. After work, I go lift weights. And, uh, you know, it's pretty much my day is like very like fitness oriented. Like I'm setting alarms on my phone mm-hmm. to tell me to eat and take vitamins and yeah. supplements. So, so when you're not dedicated. working, you're working. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very, it's a full-time job to eat the way I Absolutely, eat. Absolutely, yeah, oh, yeah, that's, for sure. that's serious Dude, sacrifice like, and discipline. I mean, you go through my phone, I got alarms like eat, eat, mm-hmm. eat, yeah. take protein shake, eat, take this, take that. So it's very regimented, uh, you know. Um, I enjoy it, though. It's not really work because I enjoy it. Mm-hmm, right. You know, people ask me that aren't into this, like, hey, what, how do you eat? How do you do this? And then I tell them, and they're like, oh, I'm not doing that. Like, <laughs> that's wild. Right. But, you know, that's asking them to do something they're not into. Mm-hmm. For me, I love it. It's not a, it's not it's a, not a chore. Exactly. You know? I'm mad if I don't get to do it. It's gotcha, just part, yeah. it's a smart part of my routine, right. you know? Some guys want to get off of work and go have a couple beers. Nothing wrong with that. That's just not my my routine. You know what I mean. So I'm not hating on that, but you know, so selling somebody to do something that they're not into, then, oh, yeah. then it's work exactly. for me. It's not just like Cody asking me to, to drive three hours here to do the podcast. 
I love talking pro wrestling. Yeah. I'm going to talk pro wrestling <laughs> to my wife at the house yep. until she tells me to shut up. So, <laughs> so, I think we've all been there. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, why not drive here and, and get to hang out with my buddies and talk wrestling, you know? Exactly. So, when. Another thing I want to kind of touch base on, and you're very vocal, especially on your social media, about your faith. Mm-hmm. How does that, do you have any obstacles that kind of presents itself when those kind of things come up when confronted with things like that or is there anything in particular Mm -hmm. that you struggle with whenever you present that honestly for the most part nobody's been um negative as far as that um i have had some shows where i'm like hey man is there any way i can have a little bit of my time to uh discuss my faith or say like a short testimony some of them aren't very interested and then i'm like okay that's cool we don't have to do business we don't have to you know Mm-hmm. We don't have to do your show, and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, I'll give you five minutes or whatever, you know. <laughs> or I get there and they're like, hey, this guy's like passionate about what he's talking about. You know, have all the time you want on the mic, mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Right. So I try not to be. I don't want to be pushy because you, you guys know how it is. You know, you start pushing your faith, and then you can turn people away. So you kind of want to do it subtly. Yeah, well, because right. there's a difference between a testimony and a sales pitch. Right, exactly. And, you know, when it becomes pushy, it becomes a sales pitch. But when it's genuine... Yeah, nobody wants to come to a pro wrestling... Let's face it, nobody wants to come to a pro wrestling match and hear a sermon. No. no. You know what I mean? They go to church for that. Right, they go to right. church for that. So, in order to be genuine and still get your message across, it's easier to just be kind of subtle with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe right. show up and... Like, even my new t-shirts, they got... Um, God is not finished with me yet on the back of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I actually like, got one of those shirts just recently. Yeah, nice. Cody got one for me. But, you know. Send you, me the link. If, oh, you, if you just, I can wear that to a meet and greet, and I can get my message yep. across without having to give a sermon. It raises a question. Right, because then they see my cross and dumbbell on my shirt, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you're into fitness and you're a Christian. Then that opens a conversation if they want it without me having to be pushy. You know what I mean? So, like. And I think that's, you know. What you know, if you you know, reading through the gospel, that's kind of how the the example that we're set, you know, through Jesus Christ, that's kind of how he did it. Exactly. Um, like he went about and did his stuff, but I don't I don't see any red letters where he was like, "Hey, I'm Jesus, listen to me." Right. My wife even made the point when we were leaving. Um, we were leaving Orlando last weekend, and I told her I was like, eh, I don't know about like people necessarily having like. Christian-based wrestling events because the the the, only, the problem when you when you sell it that way is sometimes either the Christian message is a little watered down mm-hmm. or the pro wrestling part is watered down. You yeah. know what I mean? So my wife even made the statement, and I immediately like thought, man, she's right. She said, "How cool does it look to say, hey, I'm a professional wrestler." just happens to be a Christian instead of, hey, I'm a Christian pro wrestler. Because mm-hmm. then, then you're kind of, you're losing some people right off the bat. Yeah, right. Like, I, I, I got a chance. Well, it's to like s- you're being a Christian rock band or a rock band made up of people who are Christian. I think of you two. Now, you know, you think, well. Because Bono would always say, we're not a Christian band, we're a band of Christians. Yeah. Yeah, because now you, I guess you, like, I don't know how to say it, but you kind of make yourself one-dimensional, I guess. Mm-hmm, if you say right. you're a Christian pro wrestler, but if you're, I'm a Christian who, or a pro wrestler who's also a Christian, 
it's just kind of the image is a little bit different because like um i don't know like i don't even really know how to say it but like you feel it kind of like limits you in a way yeah like whenever you put christian pro wrestler well in the marketing world you know you, you can sit there and just talk about you know how you appeal to a demographic and you know the subtlety of words and where that lands you in your market is profound right I mean, this people take you know you get master's level courses just on on communication yeah. of of how you put a message forward just because of how nuanced that is. And so when you sit there and say a Christian professional Christian professional wrestler or a professional wrestler who is a Christian, yeah. I mean, without even saying anything, anybody who's listening to this right now, they can already picture two different individuals. Yes. Yeah. That's like. Um, I'll give you an exam- perfect example. A few weeks ago, I, I talked to some kids in Panama City at a school, uh, alternative school, and I talked to them about um, self-image mm-hmm. and loving themselves, and you know, and trying to work on. I don't know. I guess like not conforming to what society tells them they should be, right. and just kind of being true to themselves. Talk to them about steering clear of uh, drugs and alcohol and those kind of things. And then I kind of discussed some of the issues that I had in my, in my past that I had hmm. to work on. I think every kid nowadays, if you talk to them, you know, we're constantly hearing about transgender and like mm-hmm. homosexuality and like uh, just everything is identity based. Everything's you know identity I mean? right. and everything's so, so touchy too. Right. And everybody wants to, to fit in. People right? just want to be peaceful. I mean, if you think about like being a kid, like when you were in middle school and high school, it's like you, you really did. You just wanted to fit in. Not because you wanted to be put into this cookie cutter form of anything. You just want to be left alone, right? Like you right. wanted you wanted a peaceful day. You wanted to, like, to not yeah. offend somebody. You wanted to not be offended. You just wanted to, to go about your day. And right. I, so I think so many kids nowadays they don't even know what to believe because they just they feel like if they believe something it's offending somebody exactly right but and we we all want to be loved and accepted right yeah absolutely yeah. so that's the general consensus if you talk to any of these young kids at church or whatever mm-hmm. else so before i went out there they're like hey if you're going to talk about god and your faith do that at the end so that you don't lose those kids because if you start off with that, some of those kids are going to tune you out. Right. And so I kind of went over everything in my speech that I wanted to address with these kids and get across. And then at the end, you know, I'm giving glory to God and, mm-hmm. and talking about how God changed my life. But it, had I started out with that, some of those kids that don't believe in God or some of those kids that aren't strong in their faith, as soon as I mention Jesus, their ears are closed. Mm-hmm. You know. So if I just come across and tell how my life has changed... I got their attention, mm-hmm. and then I follow up with why my life changed. It's, it has a bigger, profound impact. You know, Absolutely, right for sure. No, and it's you know it's unfortunate that you know the word Jesus or the word God can be such a you know sharp you know off-putting thing to so many people. But at the end of the day, you know we we know from the word that that's what we taught was we're taught was going to happen. It's, right. It is what it is. So instead of fighting what it is, accept what it is, and work. Uh, you know, for it to, yeah. to, to, you know, turn the tables by, by being somebody who people want to look up to, who people want to emulate. And then when they realize that part of emulating or part of looking up to somebody involves right. their philosophy, their religion, their, what they're dedicated, their disciplines, let those things happen 
Yeah, man. In an organic, natural way as opposed to shoving it down someone's throat. Exactly. Yeah, because, I mean, I like to, as men, we like to think we can do things on our own. We're ego-driven, extremely ego-driven. We all are. Right. You know what I mean? You kind of have to be, you know, to be successful. You have to believe in yourself. You got to be super confident. You have to give yourself an edge. No one else is going to give you a mental edge but yourself. You got to be super confident, man, and maybe a little cocky, too. But the thing is, like, I used to be so into, like, I'm doing this by myself. Like, I'm the one putting in the work. But then you got to reel back, man, and say, like, yes, I'm putting in the work. Yeah, I'm dieting. Yeah, I'm training hard. But I'm doing that because of God. God's allowing me to do God's it. Allowing I could be it, yeah. paralyzed, bro, and not be able to do anything I'm doing. Exactly. You know, I could I could get injured next week. Every and this match. Is all yeah. over, bro. Every match. You know, Even we, with the style that I work, which I consider kind of a safer style, mm-hmm. you know, I, you can still... All it land takes on is one your, wrong move, and one wrong it. bump, or I could tear something in the gym, or whatever else, and there goes the physique because I can't train. Whatever the right. case might be, he's given me my health. Mm-hmm. He's the reason why I'm able to drive here today. He's the reason why I'm able to train. He's Amen. A, he's the one that's allowing me to wake up tomorrow morning, God willing, at 4 a.m. to go train. So, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't get to do any of this. So to say it's all on me and I'm the one putting in the work, no, my wife's helping financially fund what I do, my passion. She's working so that I can afford the supplements, the food, help me out with the stuff. Like, she's supporting me to go to the gym. You know, my friends are supporting me. Mm -hmm. You know, God's given me the ability, the talent, the work ethic, the health. It ain't just me, you know? I can't do this by myself. I'm not that cool. Absolutely. Not nearly that cool. You know what I mean? (laughs) I wish I was. I wish I was that cool, but I'm not. I don't think I know anybody who's that cool. Exactly. So. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, nobody is successful on their own if they think that they are. Yeah, just themselves. Just They're Cody. Cool, just Cody inboxing me and being like, "Hey, man, I appreciate what you're doing. What you're doing is cool." I might be willing to give up that day. Mm-hmm. I might be tired, not wanting to train, but if him or somebody hits me up with something like that, now all of a sudden you're like, "Wow, somebody yeah. else believes in me too." I got to keep going. Or I got to do this for my kids, or I got to do it for my wife, for my friends, or whatever else. You know what I mean? Exactly. So you got to find that motivation or that drive. You know, right. and it's motivation fades. I tell people that all the time. You got to find discipline or your why. Yep. Because you're not gonna wake up every morning like, oh, I'm just ready to go. More mornings than not, you're probably gonna wake up and say, this sucks. I don't want to do this. Right. So what is gonna drive you on those mornings? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I might be able to get, look at Dwayne Johnson or. Jocko or some elite level dude to their social media to get hyped up that morning. But mm-hmm. what happens when that doesn't work tomorrow morning? You <laughs> yeah, got to exactly. find something else, man. Well, it's not for anybody else. It's for you. And it's, yeah, at, the end, at the end of the day, some days motivation works, but every day discipline does. Absolutely. Well, Galen, thank you so much for coming on the show. We've, it's been a pleasure having you here. Real quick, what are some upcoming events that you've got coming up that way people can come and see you? Yeah, man. Um, doing a lot of stuff for uh, Coastal Championship Wrestling. I think on the 12th, 13th, and 14th, I believe, um, we're doing Kissimmee, Florida, and then Miami, kind of all over the place with CCW. Awesome. They run a very good production, man. CCW's probably, or not probably, it is the best promotion in Florida for sure. And then I'd say it's top, definitely top five indie promotions in the whole country, man. Like, they're just, it's on a different level compared to, like, the local the local shows, man. They still have the small, intimate feel, but the production is off the chain. The, the 
level of guys on the show and the girls are just phenomenal. I mean, their show's so good that two shows ago in Kissimmee, the NXT guys were in the crowd to watch our show. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, so I think they were sitting there and told to, like, go see how we do the production and how the promoter in there is putting stuff on. I didn't realize that. I was getting dressed for the show uh, last weekend, and one of the guys that was in the tag match with us, he's like, yeah, bro, I wonder if the NXT guys are here this time. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, last time I think Triple H or Sean or somebody sent them all here because they were all in the crowd. Did, oh, you, did, did you see, you see them in the crowd? I didn't see them because I didn't. I, I wasn't on that show. But okay. the, three guys from that show told me they're like, "Yeah, all the NXT guys were here." I wonder what it's like to wrestle in front of those kind of eyes. Because I mean, yeah, it's I one thing. It's one thing, probably. you know. To, to you know, I'm sure that the first time you ever wrestled in front of any crowd, you know, whether it's a hundred people in a yeah. gymnasium or you know, two thousand people in a in a slightly larger venue, but like, you know, as your nerves go up, but then scouts and things like that is you know. Do you do you still uh, you know just kind of that that question? Dude, you, know, you might do you still go out into the crowds. You know, you still do you feel it before you go out? You might. The thing is, like, if you care about what you're doing, you're nervous every single time. Yep. Oh yeah, 100%. every single time. Every single time. But to me, I'm nervous before my music hits. Mm-hmm. Once I walk through the curtain, there's no nervousness. Yeah, I don't get nervous at all in front of a live crowd. Because then you're like, at you, all. you flip it over. You're like a completely different Completely different person. I'm yeah. not even thinking, like, it doesn't matter how many people out there. It doesn't matter if there's five or how large the crowd is. I mean, I wrestled Lawler at the FedEx Forum. I think there was 18, 19,000 people there. Oh, wow. For, Jeez. like, a Memphis uh, wrestling tribute night or whatever. But there's no difference at all. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're focused on what you're doing and your job and, like, having fun like to me like I used to get so stressed out to the point where I was about to puke before I'd go out there I'd let myself get so stressed out mm-hmm. and I was getting stressed to the point where I wasn't enjoying any of it and then when I, I would come back through the curtain I wouldn't even remember what I just did yeah so now I'm like I'll have the butterflies before but I don't get too nervous man like I try to put music on before I go out there if I know the guys in the dressing room, I'll hang out with them. Otherwise, I'm drinking energy drink, listening, <laughs> throwing my headphones in, and just chilling out. Like, I just don't, and it doesn't, like, once I'm out there, I don't get nervous at all. Like, I'm, ha- I'm having fun. I tell myself, do not take yourself too serious. Enjoy this. This could, this could, you going out here tonight, this could be the last time you get to do this. Exactly. You can have a wreck going home. You get injured. You could like get hurt in the gym, you could get hurt in the match, like you don't know if you have 10 years left to do this, 10 days, or this is the last time. Don't mm-hmm. take yourself too serious, have fun, be safe, don't hurt the guy you're working with, and just just have a good time, dude. Like it's not, some guys take it way too serious. They take, I mean, you should take your performance serious and like, absolutely, you know, yeah, and enjoy, and like, respect the crowd that you're in front of but you can't take it so serious that you don't enjoy yourself right mm-hmm. you know what I mean like I, I I know what I'm good at I know what I suck at you know? <laughs> so I try to focus on what I'm really good at and then work on what I'm not so good at right. and just enjoy it man enjoy it like I say you don't know when it's gonna end well man Absolutely. we certainly enjoyed it here Thank you again for just being on the podcast. We look forward to having you in the future, for sure. Yeah, I enjoy y'all's enthusiasm, man. It's crazy, like, the knowledge you guys have about the business. <laughs> to, not, to never have, like, 
actively been in the business. It's really it's really cool because you guys grew up wa- like watching some of the same stuff I did. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, and the thing about us is like we grew up in different time periods in wrestling. Like mm-hmm. he was during the Attitude Era. Yeah. I was more of like the I guess you could say the ruthless aggression. Yeah. Era, Cena but, and Angle. Yeah. And Cena, and Angle, Mysterio, Orton, and all of them, but. Even then, just going back and forth and watching some of these older matches, I know my dad instilled a lot of Dusty Rhodes in me and uh, Arn Anderson, the Four Horsemen, guys like Ric Flair and Sting and all of them. So just going back and seeing all these guys that sh- helped shape the industry and seeing where it's going now, yeah, it's a journey that like a lot of pro wrestling fans are thrilled to just be on and just to be a part of. And yeah, so, man. We're all fans, dude. Like Some yeah. dudes will act like they don't watch the product and that like, Oh, they're like, oh, I don't watch this, or I don't do that, or I'm not a mark. Shut up, dude. Yeah. dude We're all marks, bro. You know what? And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You take you take up, some guys dude. like Goldberg and Brock Lesnar, who you know they came in the business not being lifelong wrestling fans, and they were the first ones to say they weren't marks. They weren't you know fans of the business. Both those guys at this point now. If you ask them, they will tell you that they're fans of the business. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And you saw, and you see the the difference in the way they carry themselves when they learn to love the business that loves them back. Exactly. Dude, I'm a I'm a massive fan. Nobody's yeah. a bigger fan of this than me. Mm-hmm. You know, I just happened to be a fan who actually wanted to do it and pursue doing it. That's the only thing. I think a lot of us wanted to pursue doing it. You know, it's the pulling the the trigger on that one's hard to do, man, because I tell you what, like, you know, when I grew up, you know, I grew up and, you know, I'm a much bigger man now, but back in the day, I was, I was much smaller. Like, I graduated high school at 165, you know, and, you know, growing up all the time, people say, oh, there's no way you can be a professional wrestler. You're, you know, you're, at most, you're, you're six foot tall. You're 165 pounds. Now, I'm much bigger now, but I'm not nearly as athletic as I was at the time. But what's funny was uh, when I lived in Knoxville, uh, Mayor Glenn Jacobs. (laughs) uh, The the big red mayor. Yeah, the the big red mayor, yep. Uh, He and Dr. Tom Pritchard. Yeah, they got a school there. They have a school that literally was five minutes away from my house. Yeah. And right next to uh, a brewery that I would go to. And I'd sit there, and after a pint or two, I'd sit there and say, I'm going to go sign up, even if I can just be a, a manager or, you know, a color commentator. Yeah. I mean, like, I at some point, I'd like to do just something, you know. like the best school one in the U.S., dude. Dr. Oh, yeah. Tom is like Dr. Tom the, trained the rock. The best exactly. trainer. Yeah. And Kurt Angle. Yeah. And Kurt Angle, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was in the same situation, too. I mean, I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to get in the ring and wanted to be a part of it. I mean, I trained for a little while, but this, I just couldn't commit to that lifestyle yeah. like I yeah, wanted it's, to. It's a commitment. It's, it's it's a, it is a yeah. commitment. And I applaud hearing, anybody, and I respect anybody that yeah, can like do that. What you do with your diet and everything like that, I mean, like, it's, it's like, insane. It's 24-7, 365. Yeah. It's I, never a day off. But for guys to say, like, they're not a fan, I'm like, I don't buy that, dude. Like, no, there's no way. There's I'm no probably way. the biggest fan. Like, my wife gets tired of hearing it. Like, if I'm studying it, I'm watching it. I think all of our wives get tired I, of hearing it. Oh, yeah, no. I'm watching Peacock. I'm watching all the old stuff but like mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan and that's one of the greatest thing about the indie scene dude like I get to work shows with my heroes mm-hmm. right. so like it's funny because I have to reel it in a little bit mm-hmm. and not act like I'm fanboying out but when I'm backstage <laughs> with some of my heroes like I just want to like I'm about to explode with enthusiasm inside like here's the guys that I idolized mm-hmm. as a oh, kid yeah. and they're right beside me exactly. and they're my peer now so it's re- it's cool, man, and I'm picking their brain. I'm asking them stuff, and for them to give me compliments is huge because it's like I looked up to this dude. Now he's 
compliment me on my work or my physique or whatever else and you're like wow you know this is a guy that I like was buying his t-shirts and his merchandise as a kid and now we're hanging out like last year going to eat with freaking Ricky Morton I'm like about to explode and so yeah. yeah I was a huge rock and roll, rock and roll express, express man yeah. even right. Robert Gibson huge fan but like Getting to work shows with these the guys, guys who pretty much created the the Great. hot tag. Oh yeah, oh, I yeah. mean like with greatest the, baby face in the history of pro wrestling is Ricky Morton. Oh yeah, easy. And he knew how to sell, man. He knew how to get the crowd drawn Dude, he in. He made that heel <laughs> look like a million bucks. Yeah, you know what I mean. And they made that, and they made that tag, that hot tag to was Ricky, a thing, you know, or Robert, and then bam, that, that was the pop. Explode. The roof would explode. I mean. You know, modern day professional wrestling. You, know, you talk about guys who created modern day professional wrestling. You know, yeah, it's they they every night. There'd dude. be no Hardy Boys without rock and roll. No exactly. Dudley Boys. No Dudley Boys. No FTR. Nope. No, I mean, but it's great. It's like getting to work with those guys is like a dream come true. I yes. mean, when yeah, I, it'd be hard not to mark out in front of people like that just 100%. because of the effect they've had on the business, the thing you love so much. But you know, I think they kind of. I don't know. I think there's appreciation of it too. Yeah. You know, like when you hear like Stone Cold and Triple H talk about Rick, and it's like at this point now, those guys, you know, you can almost put they can put themselves on the same level, but they never do. No, yeah. they don't. It's so interesting. Like you'll always be a fan. Like if you're a fan, you're always a fan. Exactly. Yeah, I worked when I, uh, Russell Lawler at the Forum in Memphis a few years ago. Uh, WWE sent Ric Flair there because the Fastlane pay per view was like two months later in the same venue. Mm hmm. And so they sent Flair there to promote it while all the wrestling fans were there that night for the Grizzlies game. And so Lawler's kind of laughing. He goes, uh, you you want to go in Flair's dressing room, don't you? <laughs> and I said, absolutely. And he goes, go ahead, go. <laughs> so I'm knocking, I'm, I'm knocking on Flair's door. He opens. He's like, yes. I was like, hey, sir, I just wanted to meet you. And Flair's like, come on in. So I go in there and I'm in there for like an hour, dude, and I'm like marking out like the biggest fanboy. I mean, my heart's, heart's I mean, bumping out of my chest and like so excited to be in there with him and like the guy's in character all the time. <laughs> like on TV is how this guy is. Like it was very, very cool. But like he wasn't a jerk, man. Like interviews, people like some people say like different stories about guys, but he was super nice to me. Mm -hmm. Very nice to me. I was blown away about how nice he was but man like i said that's the greatest part about the indie scene is working with your heroes man getting that's meet, awesome getting to meet guys that you never thought you'd get to meet right you know? that's fantastic that's and yeah for anybody listening just remember you know indie wrestling still is very much alive and well you know it's not just wwe and aew and there are so local shows you see local shows go and support these guys and go and support yeah. what they're doing because what they do is not easy they're on the road a lot. They're going to all these different shows across the country. And we don't Just, make the money, man. And, and they don't make the money the that you see on WWE man. or AEW. These guys, a lot of times, are struggling. Some I've heard stories of some people living out of their cars, wondering if they're going to be able to make rent or gas be able to make gas for the next show. Oh, yeah. So man. it is a struggle on the independent scene for a lot of guys. And so if you go to a local independent show or there's ones coming to your neighborhood, go and support them. If you're a big fan of wrestling, and if you're not, bring friends that are. Yeah, man. Go and support these guys. The last thing I'll say, I know you guys are trying to wrap it up, but la the very last thing I'll say is if there's kids or anybody watching this show, man, do not listen to I don't, any adult, whether it's a teacher, pastor, parent, 
aunt, uncle, anybody who tells you not to follow your dream or that you can't do something. Absolutely. Listen to them on 95% of everything else. Mm -hmm. But do not listen to them tell you that you can't do something because we're taught from a very early age, if you work hard, you can do whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. And don't, don't forget that. Even if there's an adult out there, Hearing that, it's not too late to freaking absolutely start over and pursue something, man. If you put your faith in God and work hard and outwork yourself, outwork everyone else, you're gonna have success. It may not be necessarily what you originally thought it was gonna be, but it's gonna open so many more doors, man. Like you can do whatever you want to do. I'm sure that you got both. You guys have had opportunities to do stuff that you didn't think you'd get to do. Exactly. Just because you worked hard and made it come to a reality absolutely right? so do not listen to anybody tell you can't do something man you can absolutely do whatever you want to do you just got to work hard enough to do it you got to work outwork what you've done in the past outwork the people around you hard work is always going to show man it that's really a great is. message absolutely it really I fully is. believe it that's right well man thank you again for coming on the show we look forward to seeing you again 